Appendix 2, where Jewish opposition breaks down. Jewish opponents of Christ are mistaken when they deny that the historical Jesus can qualify to be the Messiah of Israel. Bruce James says, these are the requirements of the Messiah. Number one, he must be Jewish. See Deuteronomy 17, 15 and Numbers 24, verse 17. Number two, he must be descended from Judah, Genesis 49, verse 10, and Solomon, numerous places, but see particularly 1 Chronicles 22, 9 to 10. Number three, with the coming of the Messiah will be the physical ingathering of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Isaiah 11, verse 12, and Isaiah 27, verses 12 to 13. Number four, also with the coming of the Messiah will be the reestablishment of the holy temple. Micah 4, verse 1. Number five, in addition, the Messianic age will be one of worldwide peace. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4, Isaiah 11, verse 6, and Micah 4, verse 3. And finally, number six, in the Messianic age, the entire world will believe in God and in the Messiah. Isaiah 11, verse 9, Isaiah 40, verse 5, and Zephaniah 3, verse 9. That's from Bruce James's book, Why Can't a Jew Believe in Jesus? The New Testament unanimously expects points 3 to 6, as listed above, to be realized at the return of Jesus to inaugurate the kingdom of God on earth, that prospect being the heart of Jesus' own saving gospel of the kingdom, Luke 4, 43, and so on, as it was also and equally of Paul, Acts 19, verse 8, Acts 20, verse 25, and Acts 28, verses 23 and 31. As to the descent of Jesus from Judah, Jews object that genealogically Jesus is disqualified from being Messiah. The work done by Lord Arthur Harvey, a British clergyman, in his The Genealogies of Our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, demonstrates the lineal descent of Jesus from David and a very reasonable way of harmonizing the genealogical tables provided by Matthew and Luke. These two different genealogical records point to Jesus' descent legally from Solomon, Matthew 1, verses 6 to 7, and biologically from Nathan, Luke 3, verse 31, who was another son of David. Examples of a double genealogy for the same person are known elsewhere in Scripture. There's a clear reason why Matthew traces the line of Joseph back to Solomon, son of David, while Luke traces the lineage of Jesus to another son of David, Nathan. The Old Testament records that the natural descendant of Solomon, King Jehoiakim, 
who is also called Jeconiah and Coniah, and for the expiry of his line, see Jeremiah 22, 28-30. When the line from Solomon was disqualified in Jehoiakim, a legal substitute was provided from another Davidic line, Shealtiel, or Salathiel, and Zerubbabel were adopted from the Nathan line, Luke 3.27, into the Solomon line, Matthew 1, verse 12, to provide the necessary legal heirs. These two, as blood relatives of David through Nathan, were themselves genuine heirs to the royal throne. Lord Harvey argues that eventually the two lines, that's to say from Nathan and Solomon, met in Matan, mentioned in Matthew 1.15, called Matat in Luke 3.24, who is the grandfather of both Joseph and Mary. The right of Jesus to the throne of David is found in the fact that Jacob, son of Matan, gave his daughter Mary in marriage to his nephew Joseph. Thus Mary and Joseph were first cousins, and both, through the legal line back to Solomon, and the natural bloodline traced to Nathan, members of the royal Davidic family. Jesus thus inherited a legal right to the messianic throne through Joseph, and a right by virtue of lineal descent through Mary, who was, like Joseph, descended from Nathan, son of David. Matthew records the legal line of Joseph back through Solomon, whose bloodline expired in Jehoiakim, as found in Jeremiah 22, verse 30. I quote, None of his offspring will prosper none will sit on the throne of David or rule any more in Judah. Legal sonship is granted to Zerubbabel, who is said to be son of Shealtiel. He was, in fact, the nephew of Shealtiel, and his father was Pedaiah, Shealtiel's brother, 1 Chronicles 3, 16-19. Harvey identifies the Hananiah of 1 Chronicles 3, 19, with Joannan of Luke 3.27 and Hodaviah of 1 Chronicles 3.24 with Luke's Jodah in Luke 3.26 and Matthew's Abihud, Matthew 1.13. The plausibility of these identifications may be examined by comparing Ezra 3 verse 9 and Nehemiah 11 verse 9, Ezra 2 verse 40, and 1 Chronicles 9, verse 7. The right of Jesus to the throne of David is found in the fact that Jacob, son of Matan, gave his daughter Mary in marriage to his nephew Joseph. Thus Mary and Joseph were first cousins and both through the legal line back to Solomon and the natural bloodline traced to Nathan. Both were members of the royal Davidic family. Jesus thus inherited a legal right to the messianic throne through Joseph and a right by virtue of lineal descent through Mary, 
who was, like Joseph, descended from Nathan, son of David. Matthew records the legal line of Joseph back through Solomon, whose bloodline expired in Jehoiakim. Joseph was, in fact, son-in-law of Jacob, but is listed as his son in Matthew 1.16 because he was a legal heir to the throne. By his marriage to Mary, whose legal and bloodlines are also traced back to David, Joseph provides Jesus with his legal right to the throne, while his blood relationship to David is secured through Mary. Jesus is indeed heir to the throne of David. He's the one promised in Psalm 132, verse 11, where we read, quote, The Lord has sworn to David a truth from which he will not turn back. Of the fruit of your body I will set one upon the throne. Satisfying the criteria, the genealogy problem, Jewish objections run as follows. Even if Christians could establish that A, Jesus existed, and B, Jesus was Jewish, they would have trouble proving that C, Jesus was descended from Judah and Solomon. Both the detailed genealogies in Matthew and Luke trace Joseph's lineage to King David, albeit differently since Matthew 1.16 says that a fellow named Jacob was Joseph's father, and Luke 3.23 tells us that Joseph was the son of Eli. It seems that that family had a lot of problems determining fatherhood, but these genealogies are bogus, says this critic, because Matthew tells us that Joseph wasn't the father of Jesus, but Mary was still a virgin even after he was conceived through the Holy Spirit. Matthew 1.18 Since we know that genealogy runs through the father, Numbers 1.18 and 2 verse 2, Jesus cannot claim descent from Judah. That quotation was from Bruce James, Why Can't a Jew Believe in Jesus? These problems are solved on the thesis of Lord Harvey's scheme outlined above. The biblical text implies that Mary had children with Joseph after her firstborn son was produced by miracle. Matthew 1.25 and Mark 6 verse 3. No messianic era? Quote, even still, Christians still have a problem because they still can't establish points 3, 4, 5, or 6 above, saying that those events will happen in a second coming is circular at best and contradicts Revelation 22, verse 20, which says, yes, I'm coming quickly. The promise of an early return of Jesus to set up the kingdom is common to all our New Testament writings. The prophets of Israel, centuries before even the birth of Jesus, declared that the day of the Lord is at hand. Isaiah 13, verse 6. The idea that Jesus predicted his return within one generation is mistaken. His reference to, quote, this generation which will not pass until all these things have happened, in Mark 13.30, points to the evil society which will prevail right up to his return. Yenea, or generation, has a broader meaning than a period of time limited to 70 years. 
See, for example, Luke 16, verse 8, where the meaning of yene'ah is kind of person. And then Proverbs 30, 11 to 14, Psalm 24, verse 6, which show that yene'ah has the sense of a brood of people sharing a common quality, usually evil. It does not mean 30 or 70 years. Jesus could well have said, I told you I'm coming back within a few years. He didn't say that, if he had indeed ever said such a thing, but he didn't. Rather, he explained that no one knows when the second coming will occur, Mark 13, 32. This generation certainly did not point to a future limited period, now nearly 2,000 years removed from the time of Jesus. Since none of us knows how long we may live, the call to repentance in view of the impending kingdom is always of the greatest urgency. The New Testament speaks also of a long period of time elapsing between the comings of Jesus. Matthew 25, 19, Luke 20, verse 9. A universal presentation of the gospel of the kingdom is foreseen as a necessary warning before Jesus comes back. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world and then the end will come. Matthew 24, verse 14. Christianity in its biblical form is in no sense inconsistent or contradictory. It presents its saviour as the legal descendant of David through Nathan and Solomon. The end of the line in Matthew is very probably that of Mary, whose husband Joseph appears as the legal male descendant. Luke records the ancestors of Joseph, who was, quote, as was supposed by the public, the father of Jesus, Luke 3.23. And that line is from Nathan, son of David, Luke 3, verse 31. The important point to note in Harvey's work is that Shealtiel and Zerubbabel appear in both lists. This is because the line from Solomon failed in Jehoiakim. He was barred from ever having his descendants as lawful heirs to the Davidic throne. Shealtiel, son of Neri, according to Luke 3.27, was thus moved from the Nathan line to provide a, quote, legal rather than biological descendant for the Solomon line. It remains entirely plausible that Mary and Joseph were cousins sharing a common grandfather in Matat or Matan. Smith's concise dictionary of the Bible notes that Matan, grandfather of Joseph, is probably identical with Matat. Jesus then is related by blood to David through Mary, who is a descendant of David via Nathan. Jacob, Matthew 1.16, would then be father-in-law of Joseph, the husband of Mary and the father of Mary. Jesus fits the identity of the promised son of David. His father is God, and he's the biological son of David, Romans 1.3. At his first coming, he proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom and his own messiahship, 
amidst a turmoil of opposition from established religion. He promised to return to execute that part of the divine program for which he was destined to rule the world successfully from the restored throne of his father David in the restored Eden of the kingdom of God. Acts 1 verse 6. For a full account of the messianic program, see my book, Our Fathers Who Aren't in Heaven, and also The Coming Kingdom of the Messiah, a solution to the riddle of the New Testament. The New Testament begins by defining Jesus as the son of David, Matthew 1 verse 1, and ends by praying for the return of that same, quote, descendant of David, the bright morning star, Revelation 22 verse 16. Belief in Jesus as the Son of God is equivalent to belief in him as the supernaturally begotten descendant of David.